everyone and welcome back to Plain English. I'm your host, Aaron Frisbee. Episode number 10, who would have thought we got this far? We also ticked over a thousand listens this week, which is a big hurdle for us. So thank you for listening, thank you for sharing and uh, keep it up. Today we talk about, well we get an update from Gillis about his detox. We talk about Kratom and uh, what the effects of Kratom have had on Gillis and his thoughts on it. The seagull makes a triumphant return, not in the way that you'd think. Actually takes Gillis off a bike. Gillis also gets stuck on a garbage can. That's some good chat. Um, we talked about what led to his rehab. Um, just a warning, he talks about killing kittens. So if you hear some killing kittens chat and you want to skip over that, just skip two minutes ahead and you'll avoid all that stuff. We also talk about fight nights in prison and boxing in prison and how guys who are tough guys on the outside or skilled guys on the outside do inside. So lots of great chat, not so much of a script from now on. We're kind of just free, I was about to say free balling it, that's not the right word. We're uh, we're just going off script, let's put it that way. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. I'm keeping the title simple this week. There were so many things I could have called it, but I hope you guys enjoy this episode called Cheesecake. So you stopped your uh, detox? Yeah, I was I was all the way down and like completely off, so I was in full withdrawals. And I tried to crowd them, and it helps. It's like a uh, medium strength, I guess. But maybe if I took more, it would have been stronger opiate. Like it felt just like taking like an opiate for sure, like a morphine pill or a, or you know a couple T threes, like a really strong codeine or something. But uh, I only took it for two days and then some work opportunity came up um, with my girlfriend and there's no way I was going to be well enough in time to do it with her. And it's part of a bigger job that I'm trying to set up. So I had to come off of it so I could help her work. And I was fine with that because I was fucking feeling rough anyways. And I'll go back to it later on in the summer. I have to take up any chance to work right now just because I haven't worked in the last four or five months. So that Kratom stuff, do you think that's going to be outlawed soon? Because you're telling me it's basically the same as an opioid. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, it is for sure. It's, But, I mean, I didn't try fixing it because <laughs> it's it was a muck, like a tea. Got to make a tea out of it. Tasted terrible. It, oh, just so bitter. It was basically like having grass in your mouth and aspirins or something in your mouth at the same time just ugh. that doesn't sound good yeah but i mean it came on pretty fast and it was like i was high for sure really but not like uh it was cleaner than um opiates like uh heroin or morphine that i've tried like it was really clean um the girl i'm with actually tried a tea of it too and she liked it as well and i uh, keep calling her the girl in there uh, my babe <laughs> My partner, <laughs> my love. Uh, but, um, and she liked it too, but a really good sense of well being, bro. Like, you just feel well. Like, that's the best way to describe it. We both felt the same way. Just everything's well. We feel really well. <laughs> can you and get addicted to Kratom? Do you know? I imagine you can. I mean, it's habit forming. The girl that I know that uh, tried it, my friend, she told me that because she took more of it. And she said, you go through withdrawals and stuff and you come off of it just like heroin. So oh, wow. then, right, you get addicted to it if you can get chemically dependent to it. And it feels really pleasant. So I could definitely see it becoming habit forming, like where you'd want to do it again and do it again. And then if it makes you go through withdrawals, then for sure. 
people are getting yeah. problems. So, yeah, I know it's a real debate at the moment in the states because a lot of people got into it because it's just something natural. But um, as you said, habit forming is a different different thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we'll see where it goes with it. It's definitely, uh, I don't know, something probably that should be controlled. Maybe if you're of the opinion of controlling things that affect people's uh, mental state. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so we're basically just going to have a bullshit about a few characters and things today, weren't we? Yeah, just a bunch of different things, different people I've met in there, some of the different things I've gotten up to. Before um, we do that, can I ask yeah. you a question about a story that you told me? Sure. Can you tell me the story about how you uh, hurt your shoulder? Oh, that was out here. That was when I was high. <laughs> I was a I, but by the way, I remember you telling me about this story, and it's a good one. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, well, that was when I was in my relapse here in Victoria. And uh, I was really, really high, and I had a bunch of stolen uh, property under my ha- arm. And I was riding a bike really fast down. It was in the Fernwood area. And you know where uh, you can go down a big hill there, and there's a chain across the one of the roads. And I was coming flying as fast as I could. And I didn't see the chain until the very last second. And literally, it launched me. And I just, poof, the bike was, of course, stopped dead in the tracks where it was. And I flew off of it about, like, with no exaggeration, 20 feet, maybe, 15, maybe a little less. But straight up into the air, like, really high was the other weird thing. But, like, way up and launching long enough for me to think about the stuff that I had under my arm. And I didn't want to drop it and smash it and stuff. It was a bunch of stolen electronics and stuff I had. And so I just put my other hand out and poof, I hit the ground and folded so fast. Like it, it wasn't a roll or nothing. It was just poof. And I dropped all the stuff under my arm. It all smashed. And then I landed on like the side of my shoulder, not on my head. I moved it out of the way. I was trying to do like a roll, but I, I landed so fast. There was no chance to do a roll. I just crumbled into the ground. But I got up real quick, and I was looking at all the electronic stuff, and I was like, fuck. And I went to grab the bike and pick up the bike. And when I put my one, I went, like, to put both arms out to pick up the bike, but only one arm went out. My other arm was just, just nothing, just hanging there. And I looked over, I was like, what the fuck? And that's when I noticed, oh, it feels a little sore in the shoulder and stuff. And then I put my hand on my um, uh, collarbone, and it was literally about six inches up in the air off of my shoulder. My arm was just hanging there. And I ripped off all of the tendons. Um, There's enough force that when I finally did go to the hospital, which took me a little while, the doctor told me that uh, with the force that it takes to knock my shoulder off like that, that usually um, it's only hockey players when they get checked into the boards and stuff. And it also happens to professional wrestlers doing some of their crazy stunts. Um, Had I hit my head, he said I probably would have killed myself. So it was a pretty good blow. Yeah. And uh, this, so after I wiped out and everything, and I went to try and pick up the bike, I was like, fuck. I checked out all the electronic stuff and everything. It was a write-off. It was all smashed, laptops and stuff I had. And I didn't go right to the hospital right away because going to the hospital sucks. And I was hanging out downtown for a few days with it, and friends and stuff were telling me, fucking, you should go to the hospital. You're, you know, it's going to get more fucked up, right? And it was so, like, like, I'm not kidding, bro. Like, the collarbone was just sticking right up. And my arm, I guess, like, when I first um, 
ripped off all the tendons. The only tendon attached was the one in the front. And as you can see, like it's healed completely. Like I got full range of motion, all my strength. And I even got an extra, like my one arm reaches out like a couple extra inches on my punch. So it's perfect. Um, <laughs> and it's your right hand as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, fought, I fight backwards anyway, so far. But just because when I was younger, I thought it was cool when I was a kid. But I got so used to doing that, that it actually became the way I got to, I stand now. <laughs> Um, uh, um, and yeah, it totally so you said that you fight Southpaw, yeah. All oh, right, um, and it got torn off, uh, so bad that, um, like I had almost no range of motion with it at first. And I was hanging out downtown for a few days. After a few days, I started to get some range of motion back, like I had I could lift my arm up to about the halfway mark. And after that, like the further I tried to lift it, the less strength I had. And this one guy tried getting into a fight with me downtown. Fucking shitniks, his fucking nickname. I can't remember what it says in the proper way. L shitnik. <laughs> yep, that, that's not how you pronounce his last name. Um. Anyways, a good friend of mine. He's uh passed away now. I heard he OD'd. Uh, fish. I owed him some cash, and I'd already squared up with him and everything. But then fucking, I guess Al had heard about it from whatever fish bitching about it. I guess and and. So Al thought he would try and collect it for him, not knowing that it was already dealt with. So that's how I knew he wasn't trying to collect it for him because it, it was already dealt with. And anyways, he's trying to get loud with me and shit and trying to pick a fight me. And I've only got one in fucking arm, right? But I'm not using an excuse, but I'm telling him, I said, you want to try and fucking go with one arm, kid? You fucking like, asshole, loser, goof, whatever. I can't remember what I said to him. He comes running at me. I put my, my one arm out. I grab him and I just throw him to the ground because like, I literally can't use my other arm, bro. Like, it's pretty much useless. And then as he's going up, I run over to him and I grab him by the fucking back of the jacket and I start throwing punches at him as he's standing up. The first punch, as I, I can barely get, like I said, as I throw my arm up, I lose strength as it goes up. At about the halfway mark, I can't even lift it up any higher. So I got all my power is in the lower part. And just because of the way I, I fucked up my arm, I guess, at first. And so my I first hit him. He had all his strength. I feel him trying to stand up. Took a little less resistance. He's still... Trying to stand up, though, took again. And I can feel him less and less resistance and finally just dropped to the ground. Now I got, like, full force. Ding! Knocked him out. <laughs> Fucking asshole. And not, I'm not kidding you. That was right downtown on Pandora in the middle of the day. But Candace and all of us were down there. Fucking. What a loser move, though. He tried and fucking fight me with one fucking arm. And he still got his fucking head punched in. And then when he woke up and everything, he's trying to crack off about it being a lucky punch. He's like, oh, so you get a fucking lucky punch? I want to go again. And that's when other people were beating off to him too now saying, fuck off, fuck, like, get out of here. Fuck me. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of my friend though, which is weird. We're kind of friends, but we're not obviously too. But when you're in drug addiction, it's a fucking crazy world. But anyways, I ran around downtown like that with my arm fucking knocked off the fucking hook for a few days before I finally went to the hospital. And then when I went to the hospital, um, right away, of course, they said trying drug-seeking behavior. They said I'm there trying to get morphine and shot. But of First course, off, why, why did you go to the hospital? Because I wanted to see if they could fix my shoulder. And why was that? Why did it take you so long? Well, just because of drug addiction. I just want to keep getting high. Like that, that, I remember you saying that priority. the reason why you actually went into the hospital was because it looked so weird and it was kind of a vanity thing. Well, oh, yeah. Well, that was what I mean. I went in to see if they could fix it. Because I'm not <laughs> yeah. kidding you, bro. Like it was sticking up about four or five inches. Like, I could wrap my hand right around it and hold it. And 
I was getting some range of motion back, but not much. And also strength wise, like it was like I had most of my strength. My arm was hanging. But as soon as like I was at like the halfway mark, like trying to hold like a jug of juice or something, I, I would have like almost no strength and almost drop it. Like So, so I, was it dislocated or was it? it no, was just I tore all the tendons. Worse than dislocating. Dislocating, they could have just put it back. No, this is much worse. All the tendons wrapped around the collarbone, which attached to all, all of your your, your um, uh, shoulder blade and stuff, they all hold it all down under tension. Yeah. And I ripped off every one, bro, except this front one. My front uh, delt is still yeah. attached. And it went from being like about three, four inches up after like all of the work with, at the hospital to like now it's – I can hold it so it's perfectly flat. Like it just continued and continued to get better. But anyways, okay. it didn't get better at the hospital because I went in and they were going to um, they put this thing on, on me that was like keeping pressure on to try and hold it down. And they're going to get me in for surgery where they were going to try and reattach it all. But because it's so intensive, I would have had to stay in this thing that I had no range of motion. So my arm would have to stay stuck to me. And there would have been lots of post um, therapy, like recovery stuff I would have had to be present for. Because of my drug addiction, because I was like uh, on the streets and everything, I was not likely candidate for it. But they actually said they were going to do it for me, so they changed their change of heart. So I said, "Cool." But then I took off from the hospital because they wouldn't give me enough dope. They're giving me enough for the pain, but I wanted more because my I was in my addiction and I wanted to be high, right? I just wanted more, and so finally I just took off, you know. And so then I took off, yeah. So I took off, and about two weeks later, I got arrested. And I got taken to Wilkie, which is kind of a good thing, because then in there, um, I got to do my own physiotherapy and stuff on it. So I didn't get it reattached or nothing, right? And fucking, so I just left it fucking boing, sticking up, and slowly just working out and doing everything. It pulled itself down, pulled itself down, and now it just sits flush, like it's fucking awesome. <laughs> in in hospital, were you scheduled in for surgery? You're uh, admitted. And then yes. you left, went to try and get drugs, and then came yeah. back and tried to make it look like you didn't leave? Oh, numerous times. I don't know if I – this time This time I don't think I did. This time I just took off. But there are other times in there. So another time I was riding my bike. I don't know if you ever – you can probably see on the camera, though. You see that scar on the side of yeah. my knee there? Yeah. Right? So that there – I'll tell you, that's it from a piece of rebar, bro. I was riding a mountain bike on the knot all high. And I'm not kidding. Sometimes I would nod out and like still be riding the bike. So like basically like ghost riding with my eyes closed. I rode into traffic. I rode into the side of a van once. Like, I apologize to the people's cars that I ran into. Like, I, like, <laughs> I don't get hit by the cars. I end up hitting the cars. I rode into parking meters. And like when you're riding your bike and your eyes are closed and like you're on the nod and, then, and going pretty good speeds and then. A parking meter hits you in the shoulder or something, it fucking hurts and it takes you right off the bike. I imagine. Did you uh, did you do time, that because of that dog that hit your uh, hit your truck? Was that all payback for that? Yeah, that was a fucked up situation. That dog was the size of a horse. But speaking <laughs> of animals and his stuff, I was riding the BMX one time, or the BMX, the mountain bike one time through right by Chinatown through the lights and I nodded out. And I was going really fast. I'm lucky I didn't get hit by cars. But it was just as I nodded out, there was a seagull on the road, and the seagull started to fly. Just as I nodded out, and then poof, the seagull flew into the front tire of the bike, bro. Like, uh-huh. wiped me out, feathers, seagull everywhere. It was crazy. My friend Sunday, who I was riding, riding back to see real quick, so I'd gone to pick up for her, and then she was going to get me high with her. 
She's like, holy fuck. I'm like, did you fucking see that? I just left the mountain bike on the fucking road and just took off running with it. Like, holy fuck. It was just a crazy gong show. And being high, I'm not at my best, right? Like, I'm not proud of any of the shit I did when I was high. But I did a lot of fucking crazy stuff. Like, some some stories there, that's for sure. Colorful things. But anyway, so riding the mountain bike, that scar on my knee, um, I ended up, there was a piece of rebar sticking out of, you know those cement um, garbage cans that there's around downtown? Okay, well, one of them was smashed, and a piece of the rebar was taken out of the side of the garbage can. I was riding the mountain bike real close to it. I nodded out. It scoot, It hit my leg and took dead stop, bro. Took me right off the bike. Poof. Stuck to the garbage can. That piece of metal, that scar that you see, it's right into my um, right into my uh, leg. And you see how it's right underneath the muscle there? It's right in that pocket. Yeah. I just missed this tendon. Just missed this muscle. Went right into there. I barely even bled, bro. Just the skin around it bled. The bar went right in. Boom, I was stuck. I pushed the bike out from under my legs. I go to move my leg. My leg like feels like it weighs like a 1,000 pounds because it, it won't move. I'm pinned to the fucking garbage can. So I got to pull my leg back off of it. I'm like, wow. And I'm expecting like lots of blood in there. Everything is not. Boom, I do my pants and pull them down real quick and look. And like I'm bleeding like from the skin around the entry point, but it's not like bleeding blood, like gushing blood from the inside. I can see the tendon. I can see the fatty, there's some fatty tissue in there. It looked trippy. Um, and so I had to go to the hospital for that. And yeah. that, in that case, I kept taking off. I remember for that one, because I remember my leg was all swollen and fucked up. And I had to stay in the hospital for it on antibiotics and stuff on an IV drip. They wanted me to stay in. Yep. But I wanted to get high, and they weren't giving me next to nothing for this. They were saying it can't hurt that much, and they're trying to give me T3s. Well, when you have an opiate addiction, T3s barely do anything. So I was taking off downtown all the time. Fucking, I had a stolen bike in the parking lot. Um, I I feel bad for all the people's bikes I stole, but I did steal a lot of bikes. Um, but one of them I had at the jubilee parking lot there and i would sneak downtown and sneak back and i kept doing that i sometimes wonder if they even knew i was doing it it was only for a few days but that was one time where it's taken away from the hospital i've been in the hospital numerous times like the worst time was these scars here under my i don't know if you can see them there's three scars under my ribs yep. from where i uh punctured my they uh they had to collapse my lung i had an infection in my lung cavity um, from when I had it punctured. So I had to go back into the hospital. I don't know what happened to me. I'd gotten some type of infection in the chest cavity. So my immune system couldn't even get to it. And then I'd gotten pneumonia. So I had to go to the hospital for that. And that was like almost a month I was in the hospital. And that's when, like, even though I was in the hospital for like the first two weeks, I was so um, sick that I was continuing to get worse and everything. And my outreach worker told me later, she told me um, that, uh, uh, I can't remember what, but some the, the people on the team thought I was going to die and shit. Like, it was really bad, right? I so in that situation, you'd be dealing with the detox as well in that? As well uh, as being no, sick? No, they had me, they had me on painkillers and stuff. They, they were actually giving me, they were, the surgery I went for, they had to put three holes through my rib cage and one through my back just under my shoulder blade. So that like he could see and operate and stuff in there. He had to go in and get, there was like a, a pocket of infection in my chest cavity. So they had to, they had to collapse my lung and um, they put me under, of course. And they had to go in there and they had to like remove it. And then when I woke up, I had 
tubes sticking into my um, rib cage. One like putting in medicine in there yeah. and delivering medicine right into my chest cavity, and two tubes sucking blood and fluid and everything back out of me, bro. Like no bullshit, it was trippy. I was in the hospital for two more weeks with that thing uh, sticking out of me. That's when I, that's when I cleaned up, right? That's what triggered me to clean up, and that's when I had to fight with them to get me into detox from there. They're like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "I want to." I want to clean up. I don't want to keep using, and I want to go to detox. But they were having an issue with me having bed space to get into detox in time, so it was looking like I was going to have to get back out. Well, if I got back out, I'd probably get right back into my addiction and not even make it to detox. But then finally, they I, I won them over, and they said, okay, you can go to, straight from here to detox. So I got to walk straight from the hospital to detox, which is just in, in behind the Jubilee. And then from detox, I got to go into stabilization because detox is only seven days. And from there, I went into stabilization for 30 days, and that's in the same building but across the hall. And then from there, I had to, I was running out of time there, and I applied to go to all these treatment centers, but getting in takes forever. And finally, I got approved for one, but it was like 45 days away or something like that, and you only stay in there for 30 days. So it was almost looking like I was going to have to get back out again and not make it to treatment. And if you get back out to the streets when you're in your addiction, I'm just going to get back into my addiction. And plus, my health was really compromised. Um, but they worked with me and they got me from, they let me give me an extension for half a month in stabilization. From there, I went to Maple Ridge Treatment Center on the mainland. They gave my treatment. And then from there, I came back here. And then again, it was like trying to find a place to live after treatment. And housing was a big issue for everyone in treatment. It seemed a lot of people were panicking and freaking out about what, do you, what can we do for housing after treatment, right? Uh, yeah. But I managed to get into second stage. Housing for my treatment at Comerford. That's where when me and you were working together there when you're Yeah, when you're helping out with some work, picking me up yeah. there. And then that was second stage. And and then I got my own place, which is now I have. And I've been doing good for two and a half years, other than a year and a half ago I had that relapse. Yeah. And and, and you talk so like we talked a bit about it last time about the overdoses you had and how you had you know probably 30 of them mm-hmm. and even that black and white heroin thing we're talking about when you're doing it you you probably knew that you'd overdose were you trying to overdose or were you like what you're just trying to get high or what help us understand that um so there have been occasions where i've done um uh fixes thinking you know, full well, like this stuff, this can probably get me like, dead. But I just think about the high. Like, I just think I'm sick right now and I just want to get high. And, and it's just such a, a drive to do it. Right? I mean, you got to think like it's sure people in addiction are making choices, but it's not like it's choices of free will. It's like there's so much psychological and emotional and physical fucking drive and cravings and the need to use going on it's become a slave to it right like no one obviously wants to live that lifestyle i mean we make choices that get us into it but once we're in it i don't know too many people that want to stay like fully in it like some people just want to get away from the consequences and keep doing the dope that's the nature of the addiction but so none of those overdoses were you trying trying to kill trying to kill yourself no and never once did i do a fix to try and kill myself all of them were fixes I thought I could do, even when they were big ones, and fucking end up dropping. Like, it's just the fentanyl. 
And it's it's weird with fentanyl. It's either the way that the drug is made. It's either you do it and you don't you don't get a high, you don't get high enough and you're still feeling sick, or you've done too much and you overdose and you're dead. Fentanyl is not like heroin. You're supposed to be like high for four hours and enjoying it. Fentanyl is meant to put you under. It's an it's an anesthetic, anesthetic, anesthetic. Anesthetist give it to you, so it would be a anesthetist give it to you. So anyway, it puts you under. Yeah, anyways, it puts you under. Um, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so that's the thing about it. So when it puts you under, it puts you under like usually overdoses, right? Like when I was in the hospital, and I remember when the guy had to come and put me under for when they had to put me under and collapse my lung and do the surgery for that infection. I had it. Um, I remember the the guy coming to see me, the guy that puts you under, and he talks. He gets a bunch of information about you, like your weight, um, your, your this or that, because he's got to know all kinds of information. Because when he gives it to you, he's got one job, and that's to keep you under and not kill you yeah. while doing it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot that goes into that. See, so I think well now we're on the streets with this stuff, and it's that strong. Well, there's no way to control that. So most people do it just thinking they're going to get high and get unsick and end up dying, right? When you got, maybe you might not know the answer to this, but when you got put under for that operation, did he have to give yeah. you more than what was usually needed to put you under because you had? I you told him, something like? I, told him I said, I have a huge addiction. I told him I've done fentanyl. I actually told him I wanted to do less. I was scared. I told him, I said, I've overdosed on fentanyl numerous times and everything. And he was like, assure me. He's like, no, you're going to be okay with me. I, I think remember him saying something like, you know, you're in good hands. And because uh, I was actually worried that you know I might end up dead, because <laughs> yeah. I've overdosed at this point so many times on fentanyl. It's not even yeah. funny, like thirty, forty times. Like it's it's nuts. Like I don't want to exaggerate. I don't know the exact amount. That's just it. But I know it was like high into the double digits, like just dropping and dropping near the end. It was just like every every ten or so days, two three times a month, overdosing. Like fuck, it just. It's Russian roulette. It's suicide. Like it's just, it's crazy. What effect do you think that's had on your body now? That's just it, bro. Like I think I'm in pretty good shape for my age and stuff. I think I'm in pretty good shape for any age, and and for everything I've done to myself, like fuck, like I can tear off a fucking roof, like fucking nothing, go all day and do it again the next day. Um, I run. I fucking work out. Like I, I feel like I got you know a lot of my mental faculties still. Um, so it's definitely hurt me for sure. By no, like it's, it's hurt me. I mean, like I'm missing a few teeth now from fighting, but still the dope didn't help me. Like, you know, I got a couple in the back there from drugs, right? Like just fucking the dope just fucks up your teeth. But then I got to, I always said the first fight I ever get into where someone knocks out my tooth, I'm going to fucking lose it. Who ends up doing it? One of my good friends, Frankie, fuck sick, fuck sakes. And it was funny because it was a sucker punch and everything. Fucking. Oh, was it? Yeah, quick story. We had been out all night high doing scores. We had a bunch of stolen property. We had it all hidden stuff. He took off one way. I went another way. He couldn't find me or the stuff where we put it. Someone told him I was off getting high and everything. I had a bunch of money and dope and everything. So he thought I had sold the shit and was getting high without him. He had a bunch of fucked up ideas in his head. Come up, sneaks up on me out of nowhere. Boom, I feel a punch to the mouth. I fucking look. I grab him. I'm holding him back. And I put my hand to my mouth. And I touch my mouth, and I can feel my tooth is loose. And right away, I'm like, you motherfucker, you knocked my tooth out. And right away, he just stops. 
because we're friends. And he's like, what? Sorry, bro. No, let me see. And I'm like, fuck you. Let me see. And it's funny because now he's trying to see you. So now he's wiggling it. And he's going, no, no, you're not going to lose. I'm like, fuck you, bro. Like, it was fucked up. So that's how I ended up losing my first tooth. And, uh, but I had all the stuff and everything. Some guy had fucking come by and I fucking took all his money and it's dope. And that's what I was doing. And so then me and Frankie, we had the, all the stolen stuff from, we had broken into the embassy and we had it all hidden. But yeah, that was how I lost the first tooth. And the second tooth was another friend, not suckered me again. Donnie. <laughs> Crazy. Hey, it's always friendly fire with your family. I mean, you took your dad's with, uh, yeah, with a frozen yeah. hamburger patty and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, where do you get rid of the stuff, the electronics? Has you got someone you sell that to, or is that just trying to oh, there's, there's get sell it to dealers. anybody? There's tons of dealers that'll buy it, right? Yeah, you can always sell hot stuff. There's fences, right? You can find guys that are notorious for taking stuff, and they know guys that buy it, or there's just dealers that will buy it. But, yeah, you can always get rid of hot stuff. You can't take it to pawn shops and stuff. If you do, then you're you're silly ass, and uh, you'll get busted. Because you got to put, do you have to put your name down it? Um, you got you to bring ID. So whoever's ID you bring is already gonna is already gonna get busted, right? Right. And that's just it. Okay, let's get and into have, some characters. Hey, who? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's on your list, but <laughs> there was the guy that grew up in the same area as you, and you said he was in for doing double murder. Donnie. Donnie. Yeah, my bro Cooper. Yeah. What's his story? What did he do? What was he in? Um, oh, we grew up in, in Thunder Bay. Fucking, uh, we were in Young Offender together. Fucking, I actually hooked up with his sister. Fucking, we didn't have sex. He thinks we did. We didn't have sex. We just they hooked up. Like, <laughs> I actually ended up. I actually ended up with the other girl that she was with. But I first off started off liking her, and ended up with this other girl, um, Teresa. Anyways, that's all. That was great. Uh, but anyways, my friend Coop, yeah, we grew up together, me and him. We've known each other since we were like, fuck. Uh, his dad owned a store, and that's how we met. And I'll tell you how me and Cooper met. I just remembered. Okay. Because I just remembered him telling the story in the yard about how we met, saying how fucked up I am. So that's how I remember. Okay. My mom had a boarder that lived with an old lady named Peggy. And she was a real old lady, and she used to smoke. And she used to let me smoke if I rolled her cigarettes for her. And she had one of those little things that you put a paper in, you put the tobacco in, and it rolls it. Not a rolling machine like with a filter, or one that rolls with a rolling paper and, out, and without, a, without a tube and without a filter. Anyways, this lady had a bunch of cats, and my mom didn't want any more cats. She was a boarder in the house. She lived upstairs. She had a bunch of more kittens. So the next thing you know, she's giving me the bag. I used to always play Parcheesi with her up there. She's a real old lady, but I liked her. I'd hang out with her and stuff after school. and she, Or I'd skip school to hang out with her. She'd hide me in her room. That was funny. And share smokes with me. Um, but she gives me this bag of cats, me and my brother Mike. And she tells us to go throw them in the river. We got to go get rid of them, right? Because my mom, she doesn't want my mom to freak out. So one of her cats had a bunch of kittens. So me and my brother take this bag of cats, and we're heading off to go throw them in the river. <clears throat> and when we walk by, uh, uh, we're walking through the back alley on our way to, I'm trying to remember the name of the river on Oh, Nebin, by uh, the Kaministiqua River. We're heading down by Nebin. <clears throat> and that, there's a store, corner store down there. And my friend Donnie, he's in a foster home. His parents, him and his sister, are in a foster home. Um, they're, they're native and they're in a foster home. Some shit with their family and stuff. They were, they were grabbed up. Uh, 
And they saw he, he and his dad, who owns the store, saw us walking through the back alley with this bag moving of cats and everything. And that's when his dad came up to us and was like, oh, hey, what, what are you kids got there and everything? And, of course, Donnie was there, his kid, and we were the same age. And that's when how me and him met, which is his dad intercepting us with this bag of kittens and stuff. And his dad took them to the, the pound or whatever, so saved the kids. I was going to go throw them in the river with a rock because that's what she told me to do, right? How old, like, you this, how old were you? Uh, so that's what I was trying to remember exactly how old I was. This is when I lived in Thunder Bay in the in West Fort on on Crawford Street. So this would have been this was when I was just before I turned 11, 12 years old. This was just before this was when I was just before I turned 12. Because then I got put in Kinnard. After that, I got put in I got put in Juvie. You told um, me a story and, about how your brother killed a bunch of kittens. Oh yeah, that's my brother, fucking uh, Mike. Yeah, he's he's a weirdo. He fucking took them with a shovel and killed them. That was the same lady. That was the next summer. Sounds like she my... should have killed the bloody actual cat that was popping these things out. Oh no, she had a bunch of cats. She had like uh. three or four of them. Yeah. No, fucking um I'm trying to remember fucking Yeah, how she gave us those. I think my brother Mike had those ones. I was with him, I went with him. And I can't remember if that was before we w- went or the second time. But uh, he took a shovel, and he was putting the shovel on their necks and <laughs> chopping chopping them up like that. That got pretty gory, and then we took the rest of them, and we just buried them instead of taking them to the river. I can't buried remember. Buried, buried, yeah, some of them were alive. But I just didn't want kill, Killing the kittens is kind of freaky, trippy, fucking. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Chopped one like he like he chopped its head off like stepping on it, but we also hit one with the shovel too. I can't remember if that was the same one, and then he chopped its head off. But that was the second one. It was pretty freaky. Okay. My brother, that's my one that's passed away. He was a little crazy. Um, yeah. Anyways, when I went to foster homes, he got took in the Golden Valley, which was a kid for kids that have fucking um, mental issues. Fucking. Uh, that was he, said if he, he said to me once if he didn't pass away he might have had a interesting life as well as far as violence and stuff you thought he did a few fucked yeah. up things yeah well there was this one guy that fucking I remember Sean Gross that fucking wanted to fight my brother and this is a guy that if me and my brother if me and my brother fight I can take my brother but I think it's an older brother thing like I think he lets not lets me win but every time we've ever fought like I can I always win very easily. Um, but he's fought people that I can't take, and he's, he's kicked the fuck out of them. But I remember this one guy, Sean Gross, and, and my brother, and Sean Gross is, like, crazy. And he'll go like anybody, and him and my brother are supposed to fight, and Sean was, like, backed off. Like, they ended up not fighting. Fucking my brother's just standing and just looking at him, like, you know, like, go ahead, fuck, make a move. And Sean's going back and forth. Buddy, I got to fucking, I got to pick, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's like, really choking. He's, like, I remember another fight he was supposed to have with a guy. This guy was supposed to be a boxer. I know another good boxing fight story from inside, too. Um, But anyways, yeah, he was a really tough guy. I didn't even, I wouldn't want no piece of him. And fuck, my brother backed him down like nothing. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that was shortly before he passed away. That was when he came back, actually, from Golden Valley. Fucking, that was in Duluth, Minnesota, in the States. He was there for years. Well, he was there so long. The huh? They sent him down to the States for that treatment. They sent him down to the States, yeah. 
Yeah, he was, he had like different issues than, yeah, like, he was my better brother. I liked him better than my brother Hank. But he had different kinds of like, almost like psychotic maybe issues or something. And then my brother Hank was like the weird, weirdo. Like he was just. That's the, the one you don't like. Yeah. And he's still alive. And then my sister's kind of like me. She's like the youngest. She's like the girl, the baby girl of the family, right? Yeah. That so you, yeah, so you met Coop. Up. You met this Cooper guy yeah, the yeah. first time. Yeah. yeah, so we met Cooper when we were young, um, when I was like uh, 11, 12 years old. Um, and then he went to my school, um, C.D. Howe and Heath Park, but C.D. Howe for sure. I can't remember if that's how Heath Park is near not. Um, he went to this, then we met each other. We started going to the same school together. Um, cause my mom moved us around all the time. So we just moved into this neighborhood a little while before this. Um, it was the summertime. Yeah, it was the summertime. It was my first summer there. So it was the summer after that, that my brother fucking took another bag of cats with me, but that was his mission. Um, and so then we started going to the same school together. And then I went to young offend. I got arrested for my first, um, my first charge ever was fucking for cheesecake. My second charge was much more serious. My first the charge, was I, I went to the Skillet restaurant in Zeller's when I was a kid, and I used to like eating the cheesecakes there. So I went to that little restaurant in Zeller's, yeah. and I'd order cheesecake, eat it, and I'd take off, right, to school. This is when I was a kid, right? I just turned yeah. 12 years old. Um, and they were letting me do it. I was getting away with it. And then one day I went in to get the cheesecake. I started eating it, and the security came. They took me into this little room. I remember looking at the roof. And thinking, oh, I could lift up that tile. It was like a, a suspended ceiling and take off. And I didn't try that, right? I was just, I was just a kid. But anyways, I sat in there till the police came. The police came and said they're going to charge me with fraud. And I was like, whoa, as a kid, that's fraud. Like, fraud. I thought, I know when I was a kid, I said, oh, that's way more serious. I was thinking because I was there under the premise that I was going to pay for the food I was eating. Uh, that's what they told me at first. But then it got, it ended up getting dropped down to theft, and I ended up getting a sentence. So that's when they, of course, they the police look into my family and who I am and they realize, oh yeah, I was stealing food to try and eat. Like there's nothing in my home and stuff. And so the judge dropped it down to just theft, theft under, I think it was the, the charge and no sentence. Like I didn't get a sentence. The charge just got put on my record, found guilty of it. I, I he said, be guilty. I pled guilty and no sentence. Right. right. And don't, yeah. don't show back up in my court. The next time I show back up in his court, was for armed robbery for Francie's uh, corner store. <laughs> and uh, that was me and my friend, John Paul Matt. Um, he was a me and, he was a black friend of mine. He was like the only black kid in our own whole neighborhood. And me and him were friends and, of course, being outcasts and stuff. So me and him hung out and shit. Um, but me and him went to go. We, we had taken some acid. First time I ever took acid. And then we went to rob Francie's. We, we went into the garage, his dad's garage, and we grabbed... Uh, a rubber mallet, like the, the really hard rubber mallets. We yeah. grabbed one of those, <laughs> and that's what we took to go rob Francis with. So when we went in, you know, they put the lottery tickets on the, the counter, and we got to walk in. You got to think we're just kids, right? We walk in, and so we walk in. I have the hat, the mallet. I smash the, the the glass thing on the plastic thing on the top, but it smashes the glass all the way through. So the tickets fall like right into the counter. So John Paul's grabbing those. And I don't even think to grab money. <laughs> um, he's grabbing all those. I run over and I grab the uh, score chocolate bars and a bunch of beef jerky. 
John Paul grabs all the lottery tickets. We don't take any money, and we ran out of there. And the guy that was working at the store, he wasn't an old guy, but he was an older guy. Uh, Francie's Corner Store was the name of the corner store. And um, he just kind of backed away from us. And so we took that stuff, and we ran out, like, all high on acid. Whoa! And we were so high on acid. All we did was we went to the back alley of the store, and we were hiding in the back alley between the fence and the wall. There's, like, a two-foot crawl like space there. We were back there all high, scratching the tickets, eating the beef jerky and the score bars, <laughs> all high on acid, right? Like, so when the police came. I, I, I'm sure I'm going to be shocked with this answer, but how old were you when you did that? 12 years old. You did fucking acid at 12 years old and did that? Yeah, that was my first, <laughs> my second, second charge ever with John Paul Mack. And so, of course, I went into custody for that one. And then that's when I saw, that's when I saw, met, saw Donnie Cooper. My bro fucking again inside. That's when I saw Coop. And so we did two or three Young Offender bits together. And I'm not kidding you. We we're always in the hole together. Like, so there was like a group of us that were always in the hole in Young Offender. I'm not kidding you. Me, Cooper, uh, Casey, uh, Jay. I don't want to say too many friends last names. I don't know what's up with their lives, if they're doing good now or what. Yeah. Some of my friends, I say I'm giving them, you know, I'm acknowledging them because they're good friends. They're my, they're my boys and stuff. And I know they wouldn't give a fuck because they're doing their thing and they don't give a fuck. That's yeah. just the way they are. I got other friends, you know, that I won't say their names and stuff for whatever yeah. different reason. Just if it seems like there's any incongruency or it doesn't make sense. But anyways, yeah, but of, of all, all of us friends in there, all of us ended up in the pen for some fucked up shit. Like big bits. Cooper's was um, right at just when we were all turning 18. Um, I took off to Winnipeg. So remember, I was telling you I was doing some robberies and stuff in Winnipeg that I didn't get busted for. Um, I actually, I edited that out, so no one heard about that. Oh, you didn't even you didn't took that right out. Oh, okay. well, well, yeah, you'd, you'd never told me about it before either, so I thought we didn't put that. Yeah. But anyway, okay. Well, anyway, I won't get details. But anyways, we had met while I was doing that. I was in Winnipeg, and I had a bunch of friends there. They were stealing cars. They were big crew them going and they're stealing cars back and forth from Thunder Bay to Winnipeg. It was a really big thing. It was all over the papers. Anyway, those are all my bros. I went to visit them in, in Winnipeg because I haven't seen them for a while. They're my friends from Thunder Bay. I wasn't part of the, the car stealing tour of theirs. I just went up there with my friend Eric and his brother Dwayne and just to hang out and see those guys. And then we ended up doing some shit. So we met these girls up there, these working girls. And we're hanging out with them and getting high and shit. And just one thing leads to another. And then they tell us about these dealers they don't like that, you know, ripped them off and shit and cut this one girl's hair that didn't pay her bill and shit. So they, they're pissed at them. So they sold them out to us. And we never did tell these girls our real names. I remember telling the one my name was Colin. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, so, yeah, we, when I was doing that shit, my buddy Coop was doing some shit, too. And then... When I was in Winnipeg, I was looking for him because some friends of mine told me he was in Winnipeg with this girl that I liked. Um, and now he was with her. Not, not that there was any beef there. We don't care. She's just some, I shouldn't say she's just some girl. She was, she was awesome. But I mean, we we're not going to beef over her. She was, she was a girl. She can, she can be with whoever she wants, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and, but I wanted to see them because they're my friends, right? But then when I got there, I found out from some people that know he had taken off that there was, some shit went on there and someone had been shot. And I was like, holy fuck. And then, so I don't hear nothing more about it. I go back from Winnipeg back to Thunder Bay. 
And then I ended up going inside for that fucking uh, provincial bit I did. The only provincial bit I ever did um, for that break dinner with my friend Brad Fisher. And then my friend Eric, of course, is inside with me and stuff. And uh, then when I get out, I end up taking off to um, Calgary and do my robberies and stuff. Fast forward. So now I hit the pen. And when I'm sitting fucking uh, in Calgary Remanding Center, or my Edmonton Remand Center. So when I first got arrested, I was in Calgary Remand Center. Once I got sentenced, I was in Edmonton Remand Center waiting to get into Edmonton Max because I was doing my reception in Edmonton Remand Center. So I had to start my bit in Edmonton Max and then go to drum. But when I got to Edmonton Remand Center, just talking about friends and who we might see and stuff, someone told me about my this guy, Coop. And I was like, Cooper, Donnie? And they're like, yeah. I was like, holy fuck, that's my bro. And so then we get to see each other again. And fucking, I find out fucking he killed somebody in Winnipeg and then he took off to fucking um, uh, Toronto and killed another guy in Toronto. So, and speaking of, of working girls and stuff, it had to do with, with a working girl and some grievance she had with some guy. And he fucking pulled a gun and boom, shot him. <laughs> so, yeah, fucked up shit like that. And so, and then fast forward the tape some more. Um, years later, after I finished that bit, then when I get sent back in for that two years for fucking backhanding uh, that guy at Market on Yates, yeah. uh, when I'm back in mission, I see him again. There's my friend Donnie Coop, and we ended up setting up that thing where we had all that fucking dope being sent in. With oh, he was that guy. Oh, right. Yeah, that was my bro Coop, and that was the last time I saw of him. And then I heard that um, he had gotten uh, himself to minimum security, but I don't know what went on from there. Two murders he'd be in for a long time. Well, he you know, he did, he was he had gray hairs and everything, bro. He, he went in when he was nineteen. Like you know what I mean? Right. I last I saw him, he was like forty or something. Like fucking. Did he get a life sentence or what? Pardon? Did he get a life sentence? Yeah, yeah, he's doing like oh, and he's killed people inside, bro. Like he's oh yeah, oh yeah, he's killed people in Edmonton Max. Yeah, yeah, so he's, no, not like, getting, he's not getting he's, out. Stone Cold Killer. Well, I heard he was in Minimum last. <laughs> right. So from minimum, but that was all in chance. his early days, yeah. right? That was in his early days. Yeah, but he's changed, he's mellowed up. But it's funny because, of course, I mean, you know, he's still himself, and he's got his history and his past and everything. And he's mellowed out a lot. You know what I mean? If he got Any- out, I'm sure he would do his best to make it and not fuck up, right? Anything to do with his upbringing and stuff that would, you know, lead to all these, him being a killer or what? Just, um, so him and his, well, this is the contrast. His sister grew up to fucking be, um, she has a, a high up job in, in Saskatchewan. She's like head of, uh, some, some type of like, uh, used to be called Indian affairs, native affairs thing or something, some branch up there. I can't remember what it's yeah. called. She, she's like a part of it, not the Métis one, like the, uh, yeah. I can't remember. I, I don't want to murder the name of it, but it has something to do with it's an it's a native branch of the government. Right. She like she works for like total night and day, like what directions they went. Yeah. But they grew up there in a foster home, right? So they were foster children, right? I don't know much about their parents, right? I know his his step his foster parents were the ones that owned that corner store, not the one I robbed, the one that I was walking in the back alley behind. Yeah. And do, were you? in Edmonton Max when he did any of those other murders? Nope. Those were while I was in drum. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a serious boy. 
And then revisiting your uh, boxing fight story you're going to tell about inside. Oh, which one? Yeah, well, we are just talking about what? you punching a guy, something about fighting before, and you're like, oh, I've got a funny story about a boxing story inside. Oh, oh, that no, that wasn't me in that one. Um, no, this no, no, this is just about boxing and fighting. So there's lots of boxing fighting in, inside, right? Like there's Hell in the Cell, there's Friday Fight Night. There's actually set up fights. Oh, yeah, set up fights for guys to fight. It'll be different situations. It can be two good guys that want to just scrap it out because they both hold a title, or it can be some guy's you know a piece of shit and he's got to get punched out. Or it can be someone's not a piece of shit, but something went on, and he's just got to get—he's going to get knuckled, right? But instead of getting like pounded on, it's going to be a fight. Get in there and try and fight, right? Kind of thing. But usually in those situations, suddenly that's the guy that's supposed to get it end up winning because you know you go in with some good guys. But then the other thing that happens a lot is guys come in there and they're professional fighters, and they brag about it and shit, and then they end up getting into a fight with the guy. Now, bro, I'll tell you this, and this is a fucking true fucking story. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. So this guy come in, he's a good friend of mine. He's a mulatto guy. His name's Coco. You can look him up. He's a boxer. He fought in uh, Toronto and Ontario for sure, I believe. He fought. It's not Coco Beware, is it? That'd be impressive. No, no, not Coco Beware. This is real fighter. Like this guy's a, a, a wicked fighter. He fucked up his whole career. Ended up uh, getting an assault charge, like a street street assault charge, punching out a guy really bad. Can't fight. Like some kind of thing. Can't, I don't know all the details. So what's his name? Coco is his nickname, and I believe it's also what he fought under. So I'm sure if you Googled it, he's mulatto. I don't want to sound like, oh, there's only one guy out there. That was his name, Coco. Um, he was from Alberta, but he fought in Ontario as well. Um, he was set up to be – he was had some fights set up that were going to be like oh, – Here it is. Hang on. Set his up his career. Is... Fucked it right up. His name is – is is he 48 from Calgary? Well, yeah, that's how old he'd be. Is he a former Olympic, Olympic, bo- Olympic boxer? Yeah, Coco. Yeah, that's him. Okay. <laughs> Tough boy, right? Okay. His last Set name is Kozlovsky. Yeah, he's mixed. He's mulatto. He got six and a half years. Yeah, yeah. So he's in there with us, right? He's a friend of ours, but this guy is a fucking likes to talk smack and shit you know what he ends up so inside we have what's called the uh lifers channel the inmate committee channel <clears throat> when i first went in there say there were any announcements to be made because all of our tvs are set up on a they're all connected um sometimes they'll put a, a vhs tape they'll tape a tape and they'll put the vh tape tape in and play it for us inside so this is back in the 90s right and play it for us inside on our channel it'll be the french group maybe as an announcement or um, the inmate committee has an announcement, like when elections are, or it can be there's some policy changes they're letting all of us know about. Or sometimes, before we had HBO in there for movie night and shit, um, French group would put a few movies on there for us, right, on Fridays and Saturday nights. Well, Coco gets fights sent in of his fights. <laughs> Tape sent in of his fights. And so he puts them on. Well, there's a lot of bros in there that are, you know, fucking like to go, and they're like, well, if you're going to put something like that on, you got, you know, boys are going to come challenge you. Like, what, you think yeah. you're talking off? <laughs> he was it's pretty so, old when I'm, this happened, right? Huh? He was pretty old at this stage. No, no. So this was in the 90s. So he would have been, oh, so was it now, 2020? So take off 20 years, he would have been like 
under 30. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So good age. Um, and I can't remember when in the nineties, but it was in the nineties. And so anyways, he puts his fights on the inmate committee channel and channel 17. I remember, I remember guys hollering, Hey, hey turn it to channel 17, uh, Coco's fights on there and stuff. And so, you know, I put it on there and we all, we all watch it. Right. And it's a good fight. And I uh, see so we come up and just talk about it and everything. And then like a couple of days later, there's another one on there. And now some, I remember my friend, Timmy fucking, uh, he's a tough fucking boy. Let me tell you. Fucking, uh, he's, he's one of them going, who the fuck does this guy fucking think he is? You want to get fucking punched out? Whatever. Well, just him saying that got back to Coco and Coco was like, yeah, you want to fucking try me? Blah, blah, blah. Thinking, you know, because he's a professional fighter, he's a fucking, he's got it, right? Well, I don't know. There's some boys in there that'll fucking outbox the fuck out of you. Don't matter what. Timmy's one of them. And, but in the end, I have to say Timmy didn't win this one. But anyways, I kind of ruined it. But anyways, so words out that these guys. What do you mean you you kind of ruined it? Well, I I ruined the outcome of the fight. Right. But anyways, but uh, yeah, so so now a fight gets set up between them and everything. So Timmy heads out like, okay, come on, let's go. Like this, you know what I mean? Coco goes into his cell and he puts on his wraps. So he shows up out there fully wrapped up to fucking go him, like taped up. You know, as best he can, prison, prison taping, but he's got his wraps on, like his workout wraps. And Timmy's like, what the fuck? But he still goes in. He was like, okay, come on, let's fucking go. Well, fucking Timmy, after the fight, he had, uh, had wrap burn all over his face, but he didn't have a shiner or anything like that. He just had a bunch of abrasions and stuff. And the problem is this Coco could pepper him like crazy. Every time Timmy would try to get in there, Coco would fucking just keep him at bay, right? <laughs> And then fucking, you know, Timmy would back up and then come right back in. Yeah, I can come right back in after again. But Coco couldn't fucking beat him either, right? So it was just stalemate called off. Okay, it's done. Fucking. And that was that. That was that. That was one. Then there was another one in there where my friend, remember I was telling you about my friend Mike uh, Brown, black friend of mine that was on the range when I went to get that Brad Coster guy. And then he was heat bagging me out when I was leaving the range. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, right on. He fucking deserved that and everything. I was like, holy fuck, but he let me get off the range. And the guards were looking down the range right at us, right? Like, fuck. But he's still in his cell doing the chicken, making noise. Anyway, so that friend of mine, Mike Brown, same thing. He's a he's a ah fuck. Fucking he's a martial art, um, not karate, uh, not jujitsu. Taekwondo. No. Oh yeah, taekwondo. And um, so he's bragging about it and everything. No, he doesn't put nothing on TV or nothing. But he does this one thing. He thinks he's, I don't know if he thinks he's fucking Jean Claude Van Damme or something. But he'll sit outside in in the splits. You know what I mean? Like showing off. I'm not kidding you. He'll be out right outside in the yard in the splits reading a book. And guys, are like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Like, what are you doing, buddy? You go. To, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but. You know, if you're going to walk around touting how tough you are, you got to expect guys to want to say, okay, well, let's go. Let's check it out. Yeah. So same thing. Mike ends up in a, friend, a fight with my friend Noof, right? Kelly, right? Fucking, and uh, he's fucking tough boy. Like, same thing. <laughs> fucking, but this time he won. He fucked Mike right up. Fucking. Mike's got these crazy kicks. Like, I will say, he's got some phenomenal fucking kicking. But kicking a bag, or you know what I mean? Like if the guy doesn't stand there and let you fucking kick him, well, it doesn't matter how fucking good you can kick. When and guys are having these fights, is there any rules? 
No, just fight. That's you it. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I mean, if someone got knocked out and stuff, there wouldn't be no crazy shit going on. They're fighting. They're fought with, with, with unspoken rules, I guess. It's just a fight. No weapons. You know what I mean? Coco wrapping up is like about one of the craziest things. That's that's pushing the limits. That's almost like arming up, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Timmy Steele is like, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Let's go, right? And Steele, with his arms wrapped, his hands wrapped, he still couldn't knock Timmy out. And he was like, Timmy was catching a lot of shots trying to get in on him, right? Timmy wasn't conditioned or nothing, right? He was just like just a tough fucking boy. I saw Timmy, and this is no exaggeration, give a guy a double shiner, fucking boom, boom. One punch lifted the guy up. The other punch knocked him across across the, the foyer. So when, when you show up to uh, come onto the range, I think, you know what, though? I think Timmy has a little bit of a boxing history from when he was a teenager. Like just, I think he actually did go to a boxing club now yeah. that I think about it. Um, but uh, where was I going with this? Timmy, Mike. He was on the range, punched a guy twice. Oh, yeah. Fucking Billy. Fucking. Um, I was, I, I was, so in our units in the front, in the front lobby, it's about, 12 feet by six feet, you know, no, maybe about like 15 feet by like five, six feet wide. It's like a, it's like a foyer, right? And we're allowed to stand and talk in there and call guys off the unit. And that's, you know, some guys will kick you out and say, you got to wait outside to kick you right off the unit because they don't want you to try and sneak on. But a lot of times you can stand and talk in there and guys make drug deals in there and, and you know what I mean? Whatever, right? So I was hanging out in there waiting to get some fucking dope off the unit from another buddy of mine. and uh, there's these big green laundry bins. They're like, they're they're almost like the green recycle bins you see. Yeah. But they're bigger because they're for laundry. There's one of those in the foyer of, of every unit, and that's where guys throw laundry, like sheeting and shit that gets taken down to laundry and washed and brought back to the unit. So there's one of those big green bins there. Billy's on one side of it. Timmy's standing on the other side of it, like with their elbows on it. And then there's another guy just standing there, a little guy. I can overhear the whole conversation. So anyways, long story short, this little guy sold Billy some dope. Billy didn't think it was good enough. In my opinion, I think the problem was is that he just wanted to try and get more and thinks he could squeeze this little guy for it. But this little guy was selling it for Timmy. So he's there trying to say blah, 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 that the dope is bad to try and get more. But the dope isn't bad. So the kid goes, okay, well, hold on. And I don't know. I didn't overhear, but I think he told him, I'll, I'll go get you some more or something. But he comes back, and I see Timmy walking behind him, right? And so right away, I know, oh, yeah, this isn't going to go well. Like, I already know. This guy's yeah. there already trying to tell this kid the dope is shit, and you know what I mean? I know. I already know Timmy's coming down. already going to be like, what's up, goof? You know what I mean? You say my dope shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Timmy's dope really good. Timmy, and Timmy's an awesome guy. Like, I got to say, like, he's got so much hard he's help. He does. So remember some of these guys that are good guys, and you're asking about top dogs or, you know, shop callers, right? Timmy's one of those boys, right? Where like, yeah, he can he can put something out, you know. And it's out of respect. Like, it's not out of like, absolute fear of oh, this guy's super tough. No, everyone can be killed. You know what I mean? But yeah. there is still a lot of respect for people that can fuck you up with their hands, right? Um, and there's respect for guys that'll stab you up too. But uh, anyways, long story short, fucking Solomon is uh, Timmy's good people. He helped me out once. I got in over my head. I was like 15 flaps of heroin in debt. 13, I think, but I told him 15 because like a fucking drug addict, I wanted to keep getting high. And uh, I just didn't have nothing on go at the time. And, uh, you know, I don't run from my debts or nothing. So I just went to see Timmy and I was just like, you know, I need a favor. So 
I can take care of my shit. And Timmy, like, no questions asking us. And he's like, yeah, sure, bro. Because one time him and a couple of boys needed some backup, and I just joined in right away. Like, no questions asked. Cause like, where are we going? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, dropped everything. So, so he was like, yeah, here, go see CJ. And boom, he pieced me off. Fucking, I told him, I, he says, I said, Timmy, can we come? He's like, how much do you need? I was like, 15 flats. I couldn't believe it. Boom, he runs back out with him, pieces me off, right? So I went and paid everybody. She was good people like that. Um, <clears throat> so he's coming, walking down. Billy's fucking standing there, like, you know, and I can always see it. He's already trying to, like, put, like, the, the front on, like, the, like, brace himself, you know what I mean? And, like, he's going to try and brace Timmy. Timmy comes walking up, like up to the to the green garbage bin. Like he's he's still on his own side. Like the guy's on the other side of the green the green bin. Fucking uh, Timmy says something about so, uh, and he talks quietly, right? And Timmy was in really good shape, right? Like like built like a brick shit house. And then he got out, and then he ended up coming back in, right? And I think he got I don't think he got a life bed, but I think he got a man he got a manslaughter charge. So he's not doing like they got manslaughter beef. Um, anyways, uh, so then when he came back in, he put on a bit of weight. So it's funny because he's super healthy under it. Like he's, you know, but he's just got this extra weight on at the, at the time. And so he comes walking out and he's talking real quiet and softly, soft spoken, right? And he's like, Hey, what's up, man? Something wrong with that? And this was the only opportunity for Billy to say, you know, anything like, no, nah, sorry, man, that was good. I'm out of here. It's the only thing he should have fucking said. But he started to say something. I don't even remember what it was. He just started to talk. I just remember the tone in his voice. And bro, Timmy fucking hit, boom, one, boom, two. Billy, like, like, like he lifted, and then, like, I'm not joking, like a cartoon, boom, and went flying across the fucking foyer, Shoosh, boom, into the corner, knocked out, fucking cold. The next day, he's got, like, purple fucking shiners under both eyes, like, he, the worst shiners you ever fucking seen, like, I was yeah. like, holy fuck. Yeah. yeah, and then there was talk about some shit going to retaliate and shit, and of course, nothing happened, because it's Timmy, and and Billy's a hothead and a tough guy from back east, but hey, you're fucking in the wrong, you're in the wrong. Don't make it worse, you know what I mean? Take your fucking shots and <laughs> yeah. on. We um I don't know if you've seen, but um Laura clipped up a piece of you explaining what a goof was. Yeah. Who's mm-hmm. Laura? I can't I can't find this thing, bro. It's pretty cool. Thanks to her for Yeah, she's just uh, she's chopping it all up, but um she worked for the tube check last year and she's um Oh, yeah. She's uh, actually an English girl, but she's out in Saskatchewan at the moment. But um, you chopped it up, and there was a goof, a goof thing, and yeah. it had a few comments and likes, and not uh-huh. to stereotype it, but quite a few, few of them looked like they may have been in prison before, and they're like, yes, oh, yeah. like agreeing with it. So it was quite <laughs> funny that that uh, they got through. <laughs> uh, that's cool. But Laura, what? I want to check this out. Or I guess well, all- text it to me later. It's all through the um, Plain English Facebook page. Have you, you've seen that, haven't you? No, I have not seen it, bro. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably invite you to your own page, I guess, eh? I'm thinking maybe. I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah. But we're at, at an hour now, so that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good spot to stop it. So I guess you're working all week this week? Or no, what? no. i got to tell you one more thing about boxing, bro. Oh, shit. Okay, go for it. About all these professional boxers and stuff, bro. It's just the difference between, you know, professional boxing and 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 fighting in their heart, right? Like the difference between the, the sport and actually fighting. It's one thing to be to be, you know, up there fighting, and you know the ref's going to start it, right? Like, and what I mean from that is the heart component of it. Like, don't get me wrong, all fighters I love, right? Like fighting takes heart. I love 
I'm not saying I love fighting, like beating up people, but I love, I like fighting. Like I, you know, more so when I was younger than now, but you know what I mean, right? Like I'm not trying to support violence, but just fighting, the, like mutual fights to settle stuff or for sport, whatever is awesome. It takes a lot of heart, a lot, a lot of, like just, just to go into it, like just to show up for them. Some guys in there have a hard time. This is an example. My friend Mo, really good boxer. He comes in there. He's talking about going to be do boxing when he gets out. And so he starts training in there with some friends of ours, like this one friend of ours, Steve Holloway. Fucking, he's fucking wicked, bro. Fucking, he can stand in front of you and he just puts his hands like, like, like by his cheekbones and he just go ahead, throw away. And he won't move. He'll just stand there with his hands. Just swatting slapping, punch, away. slapping your punches out of the way. Like, oh. the guy's phenomenal. Me and Mo, we used to always play with him and he teaches stuff and everything. But anyway, so he started training with Mo and stuff, and Mo got phenomenally good. You can look him up. His name is Mo Asaf, and he's from Alberta, too. He's, he's uh, um, Muslim. Uh, good people and stuff, but when it comes to heart, so he comes back inside after putting all this boxing stuff together. He fucks up. He comes back, and we're all happy to see him and everything. And then he's going off, you know, about the boxing. And... Uh, I, I can't. Okay. So, and then anyway, so then a, a buddy of ours calls him up on it and shit, wants to go up and stuff. He hid in his cell under his bed. Like, he wouldn't go out to fight him. I was like, what the fuck? It's just a fight. Like, come out and fight. You know what I mean? And he wouldn't come out and fight. And I was like, wow, this guy, you know, can fuck up guys like crazy. And then when it comes time to come out and fight, fight where you can, like, get really fucking hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just a common theme I'd noticed in there, right? With, uh, a lot of guys that came in there with attitudes of thinking they're in there to beat guys up and shit and and thinking that's what leads the way, right? And only the guys in there will walk up to me. I don't give a fuck how tough you think you are. There's always someone tougher to put you in your place, humble you, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so yeah, that's that. All right. What do you think that guy's name is again? Moa Saf. You think he's a boxer now? No, he, he did box in Calgary. He won a bunch of amateur stuff real quick. Like, he, he did really good. He had a bunch of bites and belts and stuff. He won Asaf. A-S-S-A-F, I believe is how you spell his last name. And his first name is Mo, but it's probably short for Muhammad. Yeah. Mo Asaf. He's from Calgary, Alberta. Forest Lawn, that could be exactly. Remember all those lebs I told you that came to try and fight me and stuff and wanted to jump me? Twice they showed up. The other time I was with my friend Curtis, Bully, the native guy, helped me out and shit. Fucking, um, this guy wasn't in that crowd, but he knows those guys. Those are so one of the guys' hey, names. I think I've just discovered something about Mo, Muhammad Asaf. Asaf. So he's out here. Oh, yeah? Is he a pretty good looking guy? Yeah, he's a pretty boy, uh, Muslim guy. Uh, yeah, so he uh, scammed. He scammed a woman for thirty five thousand dollars. Oh, really? He's about forty years old, and the story is from yeah, yeah, two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Oh yeah, so he's not. He started an well. online romance with this guy. What? A guy? No, I mean he was no, no. Uh, Muhammad Asaf started an online romance with this woman. Yeah, and she paid him thirty five thousand dollars for something. Wow, scammed her. Central Saanich Police Station, Police Department. Wow. 
Yeah, is it, it's a pretty boy and stuff. Is it saying anything about boxing or anything? Oh, no. Like, I just seen a photo. Yeah, he looks like a looks yeah, like a boxing pretty good shape. He's got a boxing history too in Calgary. Right. But yeah, when it came time to you know having a little heart and stuff, fucking none hiding under hiding under his his bed in his cell with the lights off, like acting like he's not in there. Guys are going to his cell door. You know what I mean? Like, like hey Mo, you know, you want to side? It's not my unit, so I don't know what was said on his unit. But these guys are going to his cell to get him. And, you know, he was in his cell. Guys knew he was under there. You know what I mean? With the lights off, hiding under his thing, acting like he can't be found instead of just going and fighting this fight. <laughs> right. Wow, buddy. Yeah, looking, anyway, that's, that's the history behind that one. So it sounds yeah. like he didn't stop with the crimes. Yeah. But um, I shared that page with you, mate. You should definitely have a look at your own okay. Facebook. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Check that out. So, are you good for next week then? Oh yeah, for sure, bro. But we didn't even skim the top of some of the stuff I want to talk about. I got to stay focused. No, no, it's good because we go into other these stories, and um, you know, I think we've kind of got away from the agenda of each each uh, episode, and we're just kind of skimming over all the side stories, and they're usually the good ones anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's all different stuff. There's so much stuff. Like, like when I think about, it, I think, fuck, like, just so much time i just didn't have any time to rest like one thing after another after another and the more i think about it it's, fuck, it's exhausting like it's fuck, no wonder i'm tired <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've I've a lot of gold left. don't get it twisted <laughs> it's good for the podcast at least we can keep going for another few episodes yet oh bro fuck, 20 30 40 <laughs> not even kidding like I, that's what i mean like we didn't even talk about the stuff we straight on the silly stuff. Like, I want to talk about the shit with my friend Ben, my friend Hobbs, and fucking. Okay, Ben. Keep writing those things down because that's that's good. We can go off your list now instead of me just trying to remember the stories you told me. Yeah. And there's like some funny ones. Like I want to share some of the funny ones or some of the more like, like exciting ones or crazy ones. Like there's some. There's some we haven't even talked about the Monopoly and... money guy yet. Or the mudfish money. Or no, the Monopoly no. money, the guy that tried to pay the prostitute with the. But hold that thought. We'll, we'll touch Canadian on it. Canadian Tire Money. It was Canadian Tire Money. Oh, Canadian Tire Money. That's right. Sorry. Canadian Tire Money. <laughs> what a fucking goof, right? Fucking girl fucking does the hardest work you can think of. And he does the thing with that shit. He got punched out so many times inside. Just like light punch outs. I remember one friend was walking behind him and he didn't say nothing to him. He cheap shot at him, but whatever. The guy's, he's good. You know, it's not like, it's not like he cheap shot him like he wouldn't stand in front of him and do it too. Like, so, but anyways, you just walk around and give him a shot. I just remember seeing, like, just for an example, knocked him into the bushes, fucking <laughs> laying there. You could tell he didn't know what happened. Like, he was just kind of like spaced out, looked on him. I just happened to be walking behind all of them, and I just happened to see it. Just, he's walking. My buddy walks up behind him, took, knocks him into the bushes. He's in the bushes. As I walk by, I look at him. He's like, got this dazed look in his eyes. <laughs> but yeah, this you guy. Know, we'll a- touch on some of those. We'll touch on some of those stories because I do want to highlight what he did and see if I can find that story as well about exactly what he did. There's mixed feelings about women inside, right? There are some guys that die hard, defend women all the way. There are some guys that are half and half. They're like, well, I don't know, sometimes some stuff. And then there are some guys that are just brutal, the, the abuse towards women, right? It's just like, holy fuck, don't you have a mother, man? Like, what? But yeah, anyways. I can't find it in the original search, but I'll do some luck. I'll work on it. Okay. 
Sounds anyway, mate, cool. thanks thanks for this. And um yeah, yeah. we'll book you in for next Sunday. <laughs> All right, bro. Have a good night. Be safe. Okay, mate. Bye. And there we have it. Another episode in the can. Hope you guys enjoyed cheesecake. Twelve year old takes acid and robs a corner store with a guy with three first names. That story is the most fucked up one to me. Well, I guess killing the kittens is pretty fucked up, but at that age to be taking acid is mind-blowing for him and for us. But I hope you guys enjoyed. We've got way more episodes. So what we've done in the past was I came up with the theme of the episode from what I knew from Gillis telling me of stories from work, and I kind of put it all together. But this time I said to Gillis, what do you want to talk about? And he wrote down a whole page of stories that he has. So I thought we're about to wrap it up, maybe three or four more episodes, but he's got a ton more stories. Um, And then a few of the things he brings up um, also give me a few ideas. So you're not getting rid of us for a while yet. Um, Just to highlight a few of the characters that showed up in the episode today, Donald Cooper is the guy that um, he's talking about, Donnie Cooper. He got done for murder. I've uh, found him on the Google machine. Muhammad Asaf, he is not the Palestinian singer, the famous guy. He's the online scammer. He seems to have a bit of a history with scamming people on romantic online relationships. And then I'm not too sure I've got the right guy with the boxing guy, that Coco guy. So Brent Coco Kozolowski. Um, he was an Olympic boxer. He got put away for six and a half years, but it looks like he was older when he got locked up, so I'm not sure I've got the right one there. But uh, anyways, this is what happens when I research most of the stories that Gillis tells us. He's got the names bang on. That memory is crazy. Anyway, that memory is going to bring us uh, a few more episodes now. You're not going to get rid of us um, that easily, so I hope you guys are looking forward to the next episode where we go back to Gillis's magic sheet of paper and talk to him about some of the characters on that one. As I said, thanks very much for listening. If you do enjoy it, tell someone else about it. Easy as that. And we'll see you next time on Plain English. Let's hear some of that creepy music. Music.